Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au. So I would ask you this morning, do you want to know God's will for your life? Is that something that you would like? You want to know God's will for your life? Um, next week, we've actually got a guest speaker, and he's what is called a prophet. Uh, the Bible says in Ephesians, it says that um, he gave some apostles, some prophets, evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And that's just the fivefold ascension gifts that are given so that the whole body can be full and whole. And so next week we've got uh, this guest speaker. And, you know, if you've been around a while, you'll see people coming in in their prophecy shirts, their fluoro orange shirts, so that if someone's casting their eye across the congregation, that they might be drawn to that person to be able to give them something or speak to them something. Or maybe you're someone who, if there's a prophet coming, like before you come in the doors in the morning, like, Jesus, is there any unconfessed sin in my life? I don't want him to call it out this morning. Um, that's not what happens. That's not what happens. He's going to preach. He's going to encourage. The prophet's primary gifts uh, and purpose is to encourage. It's four of them. Edify. And there's another two. And if you were better Christians, you'd know what they were. <laughs> that's, yeah. Oh, well, we're just going to have to get into God's Word, I suppose. But in the weeks around that, because a prophet's job is to kind of give you God's perspective on things. It's to kind of lift us up out of our earthly, natural perspective and to give us a bird's eye view from God's perspective, either on your life, and sometimes prophets do that. They'll give you a, a kind of direct perspective of God's heart for you, or they'll give a general perspective on God's heart for the church or for the world. And, and that's kind of what they do. Um, and it lifts us up out of our ordinary and out of our everyday. But there's a clearly revealed will of God for our life as well. And what we're talking about this morning is so clearly revealed that if you follow Jesus, you cannot get around it. You can't discount it. You can't um, just, you know, ignore it. And it started right back at the beginning. Uh, when God called out, Genesis, uh, called out Abraham in Genesis. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 2 to 3. He said this, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I'll make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. So here God had a purpose for Abraham to call him out to be a nation and said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. That's my heart towards you. I'm going to bless you. But I'm actually going to bless you so that through you, actually other people will be blessed. So I'll bless you, God, I will bless you, and then you'll bless others. And then all peoples on the earth will be blessed through the nation that I'm creating. It's a pretty amazing thing. And, and what he's saying is, is that there's something about you, something about the called out ones, those who follow me as their one true God, that there should be a mark, an identity about them that says that they're bringing hope to the earth. Now, let me just pause for a second because I saw this thing, this clip on Tom Cruise once, who um, is a Scientologist. And, uh, and, and it was talking about different faiths and how they're advertised in the media. And obviously, Scientology has a lot of um, a celebrity following. And so Tom Cruise was giving like a testimony about an alien that was had taken over his, I don't know, it was weird. And, um, but anyway, he was talking about how he said, you know, when you're a Scientologist, if you drive past a car accident, you realise that you're the only person that can help that person. And then it flicked back to the guy who was presenting it and he went, nuts, anybody? And um, because it was just so strange. And so th there's an element of this that, you know, anyone can do good. 
Anyone can do good. I'm not saying that because we name the name of Jesus that we are the ones who, the only ones who can, um, you know, f- help anything or bring justice or anything like that. That would be a crazy suggestion. You know people in your life who do not yet know Jesus and who do a tremendous amount of good. What I'm saying is if we name the name of Jesus, we must do good. That's the mandate upon our lives. We need to be doing good. You don't have to um, know Jesus to do good, but if you know Jesus, you need to do good. And so that's how this works. So the nation's identity marker was a nation that would do good, that was a blessing to the nations around it. And so Abraham and Sarah had a child who had a child who had a child, and the nation really came into its own when they were in captivity in Egypt. That's when they really became a nation. Before that, they were a family, but then they became a nation. And uh, that didn't seem like a particularly blessed nation. They're in captivity for centuries. They're enslaved for centuries. But then God calls them out and they, and they move into the wilderness. They are about to take hold of the land that God is going to give them. And so God begins to set up things in their nation to ensure that that is the kind of nation that represents God and God's heart. This is what he says, Leviticus chapter 19, verse 9. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. So he wanted to instill this attitude of don't screw out every last thing, every last dollar, every last cent of everything that you're getting. Live in such a way that there's margin in it for other people, for those who are needy, for those who have lack. Make sure that you live on what you need, but leave stuff for other people as well. Or as Moses sums it up in Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 7, he says, If there is a poor man among your brothers in any of the towns of the land that the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted towards your poor brother. So here we have a hard-hearted, tight-fisted. There's an internal attitude and an outworking of that that is tight and stingy. And he says, I don't want you to be like that. I want you to be compassionate and I want you to live open-handed. So the heart needs to be soft and the hand needs to be open towards other people. Do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted. Over 200 times in the Old Testament, God gives this instruction about generosity, how to treat the poor. And so the aim of these messages, these few messages, is that number one, first and foremost, that we would have a heart change, that we would become and know that we are change agents on the earth, not like Tom Cruise, but like representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who say, I know that I'm called to make a difference on this earth. And so that's the number one aim. Number two aim is to live open-handed. And just as a simple outworking of this is that we are going to, um, so what we try to do with the income that comes into the church through tithes and offerings is that we try to give 10% of that to outward focused missions, to things that don't directly relate to us. And so that's what we always try to do. At the end of this month, the fifth week of March, we're going to take an over and above offering And that is going to go beyond our 10%, our usual 10%, and the whole lot of it will go towards the poor, the vulnerable, and the oppressed through the partnerships that we already have. Um, That's one thing that's going to happen with them. The second thing that's going to happen with them, and I'm about to pull a Darren right now because no one else knows about this except for Darren and I, and so everyone who even works for church is just about to find this out. Um, We know that the drought is bad, and we're praying for the drought to be um, relieved. We're praying for the drought to break. But we're also, if we can raise the funds, we're going to get a food van 
and, uh, and, and try to get government grants and all that kind of thing. We're going to get a food van that will actually drive out to farms and give um, farmers things that are necessities to them uh, that they're currently unable to, um, or, or, you know, that things that will just ease the pressure a little bit. Go to Bendy, they'll go to Gyra, they'll go to Gunnedah, they'll go to Tamworth, they'll go to all the outlying areas and, um, and it'll be done personally and people will be prayed with and people will be extended... Um, love and support and food as well. So that's what we're trying to do. It's really good. I have a feeling that Daz doesn't get nervous when he does those ones. I, get, I got really nervous just then. <laughs> Thanks for clapping. Okay, so, so let's pray because we need a heart change. So let's ask God to help us with this. Lord, um, there, there's many of us that kind of just living like this. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to see what we need to do. If there's anything we need to adjust, if there's anything we need to realign, that you'd help us to see with your eyes, Almighty God, we want a heart change. And, Lord, there's those of us that think that we have nothing to give. Lord, I pray for a heart change in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that, Lord, for this to be so important to you, God, I pray that it would become so important to us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, obviously... Um, the, you know, that commandment was given in Leviticus and in Deuteronomy and the time of the judges came where it, nearly every chapter starts with these words and once again the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So they didn't adhere to the instructions that they were given. Then came the time of the kings and, and rather than once again the Israelites did evil in the sight of the Lord, it only kind of says and then so-and-so came to rule and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. It didn't need to really mention the people because as the leader goes, so the people go. Uh, you see that in all sorts of environments, in families, if the leader of the the family um, kind of gets slack or apathetic or whatever you see. The family gets slack and apathetic. If a connect group leader kind of goes in a direction, you see the connect group leader. If a sporting team captain has a bad attitude, you see a bad attitude pervade the whole team. And so it just mentions, well, the king had this evil attitude and did evil in the sight of the Lord. So obviously the whole country did as well. So then what happens is the judgment starts to come and God begins to warn the people, hey, this is not okay. To not live the way that I've commanded you is not okay. And I'm just going to give you a few this morning of these prophets. Isaiah, he, he said to them, he said, The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord? I have more than enough of burnt offerings, of rams and fat, of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the fatherless and plead the case of the widow. Jeremiah said, are they ashamed of their loathsome conduct? No, they have no shame at all. They do not even know how to blush. And then he says, but if you really change your ways and your actions and deal with each other justly, if you do not oppress the alien, the fatherless or the widow, then I will let you live in this place. Ezekiel said, now this was a sin of your sister Sodom. It's talking about the city Sodom. Um, many of you would know about how sinful Sodom was. And we kind of, you know, we, well, what's the sin that it mentions? She and her daughters, talking of the city, were arrogant, overfed and unconcerned. That's the sin that gets mentioned. They did not help the poor and needy. Amos, I hate. This is God speaking through the prophet Amos. I hate, I despise your religious feasts. I cannot stand your assemblies. Imagine if God walked in here this morning in our worship time and just went, nah, it's not doing it for me. I'm sorry. Like, it's great. Um, I, I can see that you're singing, nice, nice singing. That's tuneful, some of you. But uh, actually, I want a little bit more. 
Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them away with the noise of your songs. But let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never failing stream. Micah said, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Zechariah. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Administer true justice. Show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the alien or the poor. But they refused to pay attention stubbornly. They turned their backs and stopped up their ears. They made their hearts as hard as flint. Malachi, last one. So I will come near to you for judgment. I'll be quick to testify against sorcerers. Well, they're bad. Adulterers. We know that, you know, that's, that's not good. Perjurers. Don't fully know what that means. Against those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress the widows and the fatherless and deprive aliens of justice, but do not fear me. He puts sorcerers and those who ignore the cause of those who are most vulnerable in together and lumps them together. So I think it's safe to say that God feels pretty strongly about justice. And his working definition of justice has something to do with not oppressing the vulnerable. But you know what? It's actually two parts. It's you, not us, not doing bad things to the vulnerable, but it's also us not ignoring the plight of the vulnerable. Ignoring the plight of the vulnerable, getting on with our lives and being happy with our own lives, for him is as unjust as oppressing them ourselves. So knowing that God feels so strongly about this, I'm, I'm totally okay talking about this this morning, uh, unapologetically. If, if the poor is something that God is so concerned about, then I'm, I'm on board if that's what he wants for us, if he wants to change our hearts and make us like this. You see, we've always been a church that has done outreach. That's always been something that we've really been involved in. We've always reached people with the gospel, tried to tell people about Jesus, tried to encourage and mobilize all of us to tell people about Jesus. Here's something about telling about people about Jesus. And we can't stop. We can never stop doing that. But you know how the world sees that? They, sees that, they see that as our recruitment drive. They see that we're just trying to recruit people to our church. There's something about upholding the cause of the vulnerable and lifting people up that, that blasts all their filters, that says, oh, wow, okay, something really is going on here. And so we must do this as well. So I'm just, you know, all those prophets saying what they said. I'm really grateful for Jesus coming along. You know, Jesus and his grace and, whew, like just, you know, going to give us a bit of a break, no doubt. Let's have a look at what he has to say about all this. Matthew 23, 23. Woe to you, oh, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy and faithfulness. He says you should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. He's saying here that there's a way to put God first in your finance that still doesn't cut it if you don't care about justice, mercy, and, and um, faithfulness. That actually we, we can be doing everything right according to you know, what the church says, but if that hard attitude isn't changed, if it's not there, then we're actually still missing the mark. But actually Jesus is saying a whole lot more about than that. Listen to Matthew chapter 25. It says, When the Son of Man comes in His glory... And all the angels with him, that he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence. Just, just get a picture of that for a second. All the nations gathered in his presence. That's beautiful. 
And he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Just like meh rather than meh, okay? Like goats are bad, sheep are good, okay? So just remember that on that day. It's cool. It's a metaphor. You don't have to. uh. Um, He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me and they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. Whoa. You know, I think about this and I know that, that, that I reckon so many people here, majority if not all, are, are on that first level trying at least to do that. I actually think even about my friend Tegan who works with the most vulnerable people in our society. That's her day in, day out job. And I think about God's heart towards that. And I know so many of you are in jobs like that. And so I just want to challenge us this morning and let the Word of God actually challenge us. You know, what is our attitude towards the poor? Do we see ourselves, when we see the poor, do we see Jesus? When we see those who are vulnerable, when we see the downtrodden and outcast, what's our attitude? I've told this story before about um, we gave a car once. We, we've been given so many cars. We've been so blessed. Um, Mum and Dad gave us this tank. Um, it was like a Ford Falcon, 1985, two-tone Ford Falcon. It was unreal. And, um, and, but we had this little Sigma just before it. So obviously we get given a car, we give that Sigma away. Why would we try and sell it? So we gave it to um, a, a lady that was coming to, her son was coming to a kids club uh, from down in Coldale. We knew that they needed a car, so we gave them a car. And, um, and not too long, because that was a brilliant car, that little Sigma. Um, it, you know, like, it was going to make some car noises, but... I'm not going to do it now. Um, it was really awesome. Like it, it went round corners and stuff. And sorry, <laughs> obviously not playing part of my message. But um, it was a really cool car, and it was a, it was solid. You know, if you had a banged into that thing, your car would have been a write-off. And and um, and she took it and and she traded it uh, for a better car than the one that my parents had given me. And and so I kind of in one moment saw what I should have done with that car, but also. Um, there was a, a moment of challenge for me. I'm just being very open and honest with you. I was in my 20s. I had a car and the person that I'd given a car to, who, you know, I had some probably filters around, uh, they now were driving a better car than me. And so I just want to ask what your attitude is. I've just fessed up to mine, what mine was then. What's your attitude like to those who are poor? What's your, is it that you think that they deserve to be there? 
that, 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 you know, they should do different things and they'd be in a different position because that all could be true, but that's not what God is asking us to judge. He's actually asking us to do something about it and to treat them like Jesus. So I, so that's, that's one thing, but then let's listen to this because this is even um, a little bit more disconcerting. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 to 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. So here's the precursor to that next passage that Jesus is talking about. He's saying there's this judgment and he's going to say, I never knew you. And later on he says, what determines whether or not I know you is how you treat people on my behalf. So, so hang on. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Church, in our tradition, that's the picture of the most spiritual person we know. They're prophesying. They're driving out demons. They're performing many miracles. We follow that kind of person around. We ask that person to come and preach. And and the Bible is saying here, unless they know him, then they don't make it. How do they know him? Jeremiah chapter 22, verse 16. He defended the cause of the poor and needy, and so all went well. Is that not what it means to know me, declares the Lord. So there's a knowing Jesus that only happens as we defend the cause of the poor and the needy. And there's so much there. There's so much to look at. We're not going to look at it this morning. But right now, what we want to do is determine in our hearts how much this means to God. And just do a little bit of inward reflection to see if our heart mirrors God's heart or is something completely different. Because he's after our hearts in this. He speaks about it again and again. In fact, it's called the quartet of the vulnerable, the poor, the alien or the immigrant, the, and single parent households, the widow and the fatherless. That matters to God. So much so, it's, called, it's been given a name by scholars in Scripture, the quartet of the vulnerable. So, so we, we need something to take place in our hearts. And when it does, it will just organically flow out of us. But often what we need to do is get organized on the way to organic. We need to put some things in place while we're waiting for God to do that heart change and for the organic to come. So if we're doing something organized, I just want to give you a few things to maybe think about. Organized. Number one is predetermine. Don't let your defending of the poor and the needy or your giving to those who need it the most, don't let it become just part of your leftovers. That you get to the end of the fortnight, see what you've got left over before payday and then maybe contribute that. Because if you're anything like our, our household for the longest time, you might live paycheck to paycheck and never do anything even though there's a whole lot that you can do. Predetermine what you will give. In the Old Testament, the Hebraic model of finance was the first fruits between the 40th and the 60th of your income lifted high and given to the spiritual oversight. Then there was the tithe that was given into the house of God. And then there was the second tithe, which I've lately been getting a little bit confused about and uh, it was actually to be eaten um, in Jerusalem, spent and brought to Jerusalem and had a big feast in Jerusalem. I'm trying to work out the modern day equivalent of that. But then every third month, that tithe or every third year, that tithe would go to the poor. There was provision made for the poor. So maybe that's something that you want to do. Work out what every third 10% a month, 
that doesn't make sense. Okay, just say so you get your paycheck. This fortnight, you put 10% away somewhere. The next fortnight, you put 10% away somewhere. The following fortnight, you take that 10% and you give it to the poor. Perhaps you want to work out what that is across the year and sponsor that many children. Perhaps you want to work out what that is across the year and, and give it to a cause that you know does good. Perhaps you want to put it into a hospitality fund where you invite people that are nothing like you into your house and provide for them and show them dignity. I don't know how you want to do that, but it needs to be intentional. Otherwise, it will not happen. So organized on the way to organic. Do it however you want. Predetermined, number one. Number two, live like no one else. Dave Ramsey, who's taken the um, Financial Peace University, the American guy, he, he, he says this. It's so great. He says, live like no one else now so that later you can live like no one else. Looking around, you know, when people retire and, and, and they struggle, he's saying, well, live like no one else now so that one day you'll live like no one else. Now, I'm not sure if it's him or Craig Rochelle or I just take credit for it. But I'm going to say, live like no one else so that one day you can give like no one else. Live like no one else. You might have a great income, but who says that you have to live to the extent of your income? Live like no one else so that you can give like no one else. Or as the Catholics say, live simply so that others can simply live. Live simply so that others can simply live. Determine that you won't live all the way to the edges and squeeze every little last bit out of your pay packet because you're going to provide for those who God cares about. And number three is take ownership. And this is for us as the church. You know, it's so easy sometimes to make a ministry. Oh yeah, our church should do that because that puts it in the hands of someone else to do. But every single one of us is charged with being the church, with being representatives of God in this way, to actually go out and make a difference. I don't know what that looks like for you, but it's worth praying about. We need to take ownership. Caring for the poor blasts through everyone's filters and it reflects the character of God. Take ownership. Go out and bless others. Okay, well, just to finish off this morning, I want to read to you. You see, when Daz and I first started pastoring, our message for the longest time was really the kind of church that we wanted to be, the kind of ministry that we wanted to become, the kind of the, what we wanted to represent. And so Jesus, his first message that he takes is from Isaiah 61. He unravels the scroll. And, and in Isaiah 61, I'll read it to you from Isaiah 61, okay? The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to, to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favour has come and with it, the day of God's anger against their enemies. That's what Isaiah 61 says. Now let me read to you what Jesus actually said in Luke chapter 4, verse 17 to 18. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the, found the place where this was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will see, that the time of the Lord's favour has come. He stops before saying about the day of vengeance in another version. He stops before saying about the day of vengeance is coming also. Why? Because Jesus didn't come to bring the day of vengeance. He came to bear the day of vengeance. 
He came to preach good news to the poor. That's the first thing that he says, to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim that captives will be released, the blind will see, and the oppressed will be set free. That's, he said, this marks my life. This is the kind of ministry that I'm going to have. This is the kind of ministry that I'm going to leave the church. But he doesn't say that the day of vengeance is here. Now he says the day of the Lord's favour is here because he was ready to bear that vengeance upon himself. Let's come to our feet and the team are going to come this morning. He came to bear the vengeance. And if you've got some kind of sense this morning that, you know, because those prophetic writings in Scripture were very much like God's judgment upon us, we need to see it through the lens of the fact that God's heart is for us and that Jesus has borne that vengeance upon Himself. And so I want to pray two prayers this morning. And the first is just a prayer of commitment for us all to pray together that just simply says, thank you, Lord, for taking that punishment upon yourself for me. And maybe this will be the first time that you've ever prayed this prayer. Um, And we're just going to pray it all together. I encourage you to pray it from the bottom of your heart and expect God to actually do something in your life as you commit to following Him. And the second prayer is just a reiteration of the prayer that we opened with, to say, God, let me have your heart. Don't let me just, you know, wait out this time in church, poor, yeah, whatever, okay. No, no, Lord, let me get a hold of the fact that you want me to lift the oppressed up. You want to do something in my life. You want me to be a change agent on the earth. And then let's live with eyes open. You see, with loving people, you just love whoever's in front of you. But the simple fact is that many people in this room wouldn't associate every day with the very most vulnerable of society. Some of you do, and I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for the work you do, and it's a blessing, and it's incredible, and we pray for you. But some of us, just by our lives and our work, have very little association with those who are nothing like us. And so we have to pray this morning for opportunities to see those people. Maybe you don't want to pray that. Let's pray it anyway and let God work in our hearts to do what He wants to do. So I'm going to pray that first prayer. I'd ask you just all to pray that first prayer after me. Let's pray together. Dear God, thank You for Jesus. Thank You that He bore the punishment that I deserved. I want to follow You, Jesus. Help me too, all the days of my life, in Your name. Amen. Amen. And let's pray this second prayer together, church. Dear Heavenly Father, show me your heart, your heart for the poor, the oppressed, the widow, the fatherless, the immigrant. Let my heart reflect your heart. And God, I pray for opportunities this week, Lord, to show your heart to the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring faith or a follower of Jesus, there is a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to northwestchurch.com.au. And thanks again for listening.